Well, I know I say it a lot, but are you glad to be in church today? Man, we had a good time in rehearsal this morning, but you guys just, you just amped it up like a thousand times. God is so good and faithful and worthy. And I, I, I don't think, you know, we, well, we will never get tired of singing of resurrection, as Barry said this morning. It's those songs about resurrection that just keep us going. And as we talked about last week, it's, it's songs that we carry with us throughout the week, throughout the years that we pass on to generations behind us. And so it's good to sing to a good and faithful God this morning. Well, we're here at the end of our series in Ephesians. And uh, if you've been here all six weeks, you made it. You've survived. Congratulations. You'll get a certificate on the way out. You will not. So sorry. But I know some of you haven't been here or you missed a Sunday, and so once again, we're going to do a quick 30-second recap of, of kind of where we've been. So Ephesians chapter 1, if you've never read it, essentially what Paul is saying is, hey, you used to belong to this old story of sin and death and destruction, but now because of Jesus, just like uh, Paul went from Saul to being Paul, we are now a new creation in Christ. We have a new story, and that story unites us And that's why Paul says that the will of God for all humanity is to be united under Christ. And he gives us good news that that's not up to us, but that's through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 2, if you remember, is all about Jesus tearing down that dividing wall of hostility, right? That wall that divided us between those of us that are the circumcised and the uncircumcised. Or as we put it, those that think hot dogs are sandwiches and those that don't think hot dogs are sandwiches. We got to stop bickering about things that don't matter is essentially what Paul is saying, but that we're united in Christ. And then in chapter 3, Paul does something very interesting. He turns around and he says, you know, this is a really big mystery, this whole Jesus guy. But you know what he did? He brought about the church to be the way in which other people learn about Jesus and are introduced to God's grace. So that was chapter 3. They put the role on us as the church to be conduits of that grace. And then, and also to to dwell in the economy of God, to do things in the way that God would order and structure. Well, then chapter 4, we were introduced to gifts, right? He talks about how we called some to be evangelists, some to be apostles, some to be pastors and teachers, and that we all have a role to play in this body. But the good news was that it's not just us as part of the church, but that we belong to a much larger church, that, that when we see fellow Christians in our community, they're not our enemies, but we're on the same team. We're wearing the same jerseys. And then in in chapter 5, last week, we talked about idols. Paul talks about how it's so easy to let, to dabble is the word, the way they translated it, but to dabble in the things of evil and slip into idolatry for things to come before God. And so this week, we're in chapter 6. We're almost there. I know I just said a lot, but I invite you to turn to chapter 6. We're going to read the first nine verses together. But I, before we do that, I want you to think about how your house has changed over the years. So in one or many seasons of your life, it was probably just you at home. At some point, you've probably been the only one at home. For some of you, a spouse came along and entered that home. 
now there are two people using the same washing machine and dishwasher and two people hoping that the other one does the dishes. Well, for some of you, it didn't stop there and it hasn't stopped yet. You added or will be adding another person into your house or maybe just one or maybe several. Your house went from being a place where one person lived to wondering how the carpet could already need vacuumed again. And some of you add pets, and they add to your house. And some of you have pets that show up at your house that never leave. (laughs) So if you missed the story a couple weeks ago, there's a dog that showed up at our house, added to our home, and sweet baby Winston's still with us. Uh, We're going on uh, 36 days, but in no one's counting. (laughs) Anyways, moving on. So then you have seen the kids grow up and have bad attitudes. You've seen them dream about college or that job that they wanted. And finally, one day they move out. And so some of you brought out the tissues and some of you might have cranked up the music a little louder. But most of us have been through loss in our household. Whether that be a family member or the family pet frog. It changes the economy of your house. It changes the way things are structured and ordered and looking back at how your house has changed, you can probably think of some sweet moments of each phase. And you can probably think of some rather ugly moments in each phase. But ultimately, our homes and how they are structured either bring joy or they bring stress, one or the other. So to get us to chapter 6 here, last week... uh, You looked at a little bit with your small group material, uh, the end of Ephesians chapter 5, and that's, it talks about ordering your household and the role of the husband and the role of the wife, and and we just didn't have time to get there. Um, But where we're picking up today in Ephesians chapter 6, it's still talking about ordering your household, and and so that's where we pick up and find our scripture today. So I invite you to stand in honor of the Lord's word. And let's hear the word of the Lord together. Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 1, we'll go to the ninth verse. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes on you, but, all, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do. Whether they are slave or free, and masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with them. This is the word of the Lord, and we say, thanks be to God. You can be seated. So, my grandmother always likes to point out this scripture, um, and mainly because growing up, we all claim to be her favorite. And she reminds us that if God has no favorites, then she has no favorites. But today, I'm the one with the microphone, and she's not here, so I am her favorite. I digress. So again, chapter 5, 
we ended with that section that we didn't talk about really in, in the sermon, but it's about ordering our homes. And chapter 6 just keeps going. Really, there's no break if you look at it uh, in your paper Bible. Children, obey your parents. We've heard this all of our lives. Pretty simple, right? But Paul adds an interesting idea here that this is the first commandment that has a promise. Obey and you'll have a good life. Fathers, don't drive your children crazy on purpose. While it's okay to joke with your kids, there does come a point where it's no longer bringing joy to both parties. Instead of dividing them due to coarse joking, bring unity through bringing them up in the Lord. Wow, Paul's talking about unity. Imagine that. Now this next part, it gets kind of interesting here. Paul goes back to the language that we've heard throughout the first three chapters. Slave and free. Slave and master. Well, why would he bring this up again? I mean, after all, didn't he spend those chapters talking about how Jesus has broken down this wall between slave and master? Well, that is true, yes. But that's in the kingdom of God. In society, you still have to work for somebody to pay the bills and put food on the table, right? I mean, that's just how it's structured. We're going to have people over us. So now Paul moves on from the home life to pushing us outside of the home, to slaves obeying your masters. So I ask, have you ever had a difficult boss? Sometimes they have a foul mouth. Or sometimes they're just not good leaders, and you really are pretty sure you could do the job better, you just don't want the stress. Well, I know that we have a few fans in here of Atlanta United. Uh, For those of you that don't know, a few years ago, Atlanta got a professional soccer team. And that was really exciting to the part of the population that cares about that. Um, but the crazy thing is, they were really good. Like, a lot of times when you start a team, it kind of starts off rough. You got to build. People want to be there, all that. Atlanta United won a championship in their second season, right? Okay, yeah, second season, which was really impressive. Well, since then, they haven't done so great. Uh, They were under the direction of a new manager this last year in 2020, and he was only able to win two games out of 12 or 13 matches due to COVID and everything. They didn't play as many games, but his name was Gabriel Hines, and he was a pretty impressive hire. You see, he came from a a very uh, well-known soccer team in Argentina, and they were doing well, winning championships, and so Atlanta really thought they had, you know, got a good one. And they were hoping that he would be the right answer. You see, the, the coach that they had when they won the championship, he got offered a better job. When, after he won the championship, the Mexican national team said, hey, we want you to be our coach. And so he, he literally couldn't turn it down, kind of a dream job. And uh, so he still loves Atlanta, but he, he moved on. Well, since then, Atlanta has just kind of been looking for the right coach. Uh, they've had a couple, and it hasn't really worked out. Well, just a few weeks ago, Gabriel Hines was fired. They had to let him go due to a lack of performance. But, you see, that wasn't the only reason. After his firing, word came out that that the players had actually been filing complaints and grievances against him. Um, And there's a way for players to do that. And and he he was forcing them to do just insane things. He wasn't giving them days off to rest so that they could actually perform well. Uh, He was making their star player 
work out extra, even more on top of what he was forcing the team to do. Even to the point there were some reports that he wasn't giving them water breaks throughout the summer. So he was just running them ragged all day long out there and not even getting water breaks. Well, needless to say, that's a pretty bad boss. <laughs> I know these guys get paid tons of money to do this, but at the same time, they were it, literally somebody could have got seriously injured or even killed out there. Well, Atlanta, the Atlanta United players, you see, they, they went about it the right way. This never came out in the media. They didn't uh, just blast it on social media. But they respected their coach, and they used the systems that were in place to file their complaints and their concerns. And they didn't just call him out, but they went about it in the right way. They worked within the system, and it worked out. You see, I think that's kind of what Paul is saying for us here. When we respect our master, our boss, we do that by following the systems in place and out of respect. If they are a horrible boss, then we must still show respect in the way that Christ would. If your boss shows no respect in return, then maybe you should find a new boss. But there's a way in the kingdom of God that things are done. And Paul is saying that it's out of submission to authority Because as we've talked about in these previous weeks, in the kingdom of God, we're not concerned about building authority or hoarding power, but rather giving it up. But that's not to say either that if you're the boss, you're in the clear. Because then Paul goes on to say that if you're the boss, you're not off the hook either. He says, remember that the true master is your master and your employee's master. It's your job to be a true reflection of the one who is the master of it all. When we begin to see those above us and below us in our places of work as part of the body, our perspective begins to change. It's no longer just a job, but rather everyone doing their part to see the business succeed, or in our case, to see the church succeed. So we can't just implement these words of Ephesians in our hearts. and We can't just implement them in our homes But I think Paul's telling us today that we have to carry them into our workplace and the community that we interact with every single day. This was brought up at at, uh, our small group that we're hosting at our house on Monday night. And it just, it really hits home with this scripture for today. But actions don't really mean anything to somebody else unless there's a why. You see, if you're following the rules because you're scared of losing your job, and I'm following the rules out of respect for that person or the system, our outcomes are going to be completely different, right? So you see, I'll leave work every day, and I'll go home, and I'll continue to operate in that mindset. But you will have gone home, and you're going to be exhausted because you're terrified at work. You're scared of getting fired, and you don't like your boss. Well, you see, our relationship with God is not to be based on fear. I don't love God because I'm scared of what God might do to me if I'm disobedient. But I love God because of what God has done and is doing for me and with me and through me. I view God in a way that God is providing boundaries for my own benefit. In other words, the boss knows you better than you do. The boss, he's never going to boast about that. And he'll put things in place to make sure that you can live in freedom because of his everlasting love for you. 
So I say that to say that as Christians, we don't live in fear. We live in freedom. You see, the world uses power to manipulate, right? That's, that's, that's how we use systems. Why? Why do you still report to a job you don't like every day? Because you've got to get a paycheck, and that person could be abusing power, but ultimately you know as part of the system, I've got to show up because I've got to pay the bills, I've got to feed the kids, what have you. It, that's how the world operates. They, they want to use systems and structures that are based on fear. But see, God surrenders power through unconditional love. If you're taking notes, write that down. God surrenders power through unconditional love. Now, I want to preface this by saying that this message has nothing to do with COVID. But today, I'm literally talking about the way in which God is in relationship with us. You see, it's a relationship where the master would give his life for the slave, and the slave would give his life for the master. So much so that these labels are not positions of power, but rather they're just gifts to be surrendered for the sake of the other. We have to swallow our pride and realize that we're never the most important person in the room. We're never the most important person in our company. We're never the most important person in our church. We're never the most important person in our community, but rather that we're to serve each and every person around us in the same way that God has and is and will continue to do so. Now I want to break that down just just a little bit more. And for the sake of sounding repetitive, God surrenders power through unconditional love. Let's think about that. So God invites us into relationship, being almighty God, but yet never once holds that over our heads. Never once does God just think, you know, oh, they just, they ought to. They might as well. No. God reached out so closely, so personally. God didn't just a random person to come, but it was a very part of God that God sent on behalf to mend our relationship, to bring us back together into unity with Christ. So I want you to think about your relationships in your household, your relationships in the workplace. And I want you to think where are my what are my titles? And how are those titles the word Paul would use here is fusio, puffing me up, making me feel bigger. As a pastor, we we have to do that. On Monday morning, you okay, Am I humbled today that I'm a pastor or do I feel like I'm on top of the mountain because I'm a pastor? Some of you are very high up in your companies and you have to start off the morning wondering, thinking, discerning. Am I the top dog today? Am I the most important? Am I built up? Or am I willing to go surrender my power, surrender my authority on behalf of the other? And again, God does this in such a magnificent way where 
yes, there's rules and there's guidelines, but the rules and guidelines don't put us in bondage, but rather those rules and guidelines break off the bondage. Okay, that, that was good. You, let, let's go back. Let me say it again, and you guys say yes, okay? So, so God does this in such a way where most people get rules and they feel like they're in bondage, that rules are tying them down and holding them together. But God and God's wisdom and understanding of us and knowing us as people gives us rules and guidelines that break the chains of bondage and allow us to live in freedom. This is good news. You know, I, it's so easy in today's world to get pulled down, to feel like we're in bondage. I mean, when you're locked in your home for a few months, you feel like you're in bondage. I understand that. But church, we don't serve a God who's waiting for us to mess up. God is not just waiting and hoping that we do the right thing today. But God is inviting us to do the right thing. God is inviting us through the power of the Holy Spirit to know the will of God, which is unity, which means we have to all be listening to the same master. Such good news. Because the more you study this, if, if we were to just read Ephesians, it sounds like we're getting called to do so much, to serve, to lead, to guide, to follow. But Paul doesn't let us get away from the fact that the Spirit is with us. The Spirit is the one who empowers us. You don't need to go get a spiritual workout just so you're a little bit stronger. No. The Spirit is with you. And the Spirit is for you. Today, we're going to end the same way that we started this series. We're going to come to the table of the Lord together and take communion. And if you didn't receive the elements as you came in this morning, would you just raise your hand? And uh, Pastor Gary and Joe, we're going to... hand those out if you didn't get one. Joe, I need one as well. Um, but man, there, there is no better way for us to end this series. This series about unity and breaking down walls. This series about, about what it means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. There's no better way than to come around the table of the Lord Gary, I'll take one of those if there is any more. Thank you. So before we partake this morning, I hope that these last six weeks have been an encouragement. I hope that these last six weeks we've been united with our brothers and sisters in Christ in a way that maybe we felt a little distant. Maybe... Just maybe through the power of the Spirit, we have been united a little bit more. And I want us to to lean into that that story that I told the very first week about, you guys remember my favorite character from Toy Story? Mr. Potato Head. And I know it's a silly analogy, but this whole series, that's what I keep going back to, is that it's been a month since we've come to this table together. And what happens during that time is much like Mr. Potato Head. Part of our body ends up over here. Part of our body ends up getting dropped. Part of our body ends up under the bed. The body gets discombobulated. 
But today as we partake of these elements in remembrance of what Christ has done for us, we are remembered as Christ's body. And we're reminded through these elements today that that his body is broken, meaning that we're not perfect. We're a broken body, and his blood is shed for us. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you today, thankful for these words, thankful for your broken body and your shed blood. So today, God, as we, as we partake of these elements together, we need your spirit to fill us. We need your spirit to guide us and direct us. Lord, would you bless these elements? May they be for us today the very broken body and shed blood of Christ so that we could be that broken body and shed blood for the rest of the world. It's in your name we pray, amen. In the Church of the Nazarene, we practice open communion, which means you don't have to be Nazarene, you don't have to be a member of this church. All that matters is that when we come to this table together today, is that we have the same master, and his name is Jesus. We come to this table where the master is the very meal that we partake of. So if you've never used one of these cups before, there's a a film on the top to peel back, and that gets you to the wafer, and then the second one will peel back and get you to the juice. On the night that he was betrayed... Our Lord Jesus Christ, he gathered his disciples together in the upper room to have a meal together. As they would normally do on Passover. And before they began, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And after they had finished, Jesus took the cup and he held it up and he blessed it. And he said, this is my shed blood for you. Take and drink in remembrance of me. Can we just sing that last chorus one more time that we sang together? Let's sing hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, may you go from this place today, a people of living hope that aren't bound by the guidelines of the God that loves us so unconditionally, but rather that we live in the freedom that he gives us through the precious blood of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now may that same God do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. May you go in his grace and peace today. Amen.